good morning. Really good to see you all here this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Psalm 19. Uh, Psalm 19 is where we will be this morning. Uh, so what we're going to do this summer, uh, we're going to call it uh, Psalms of Summer. We're just going to kind of hang out this summer as we just kind of walk through different psalms as the Lord leads us uh, and each week. And, uh, you know, for me, I feel like uh, a lot of times when you think about summer, you think about, you know, you know warm breeze or just, get, you know, cool water, that kind of That's how psalms is for a lot of us. It's, there's just times that we just need to just, and just go sit out in, in the cool breeze or the, uh, or the getting the, you know, take a dip in the cool water. It's just refreshing to the soul if you will. And that's how the book of Psalms serves uh, us as followers of Jesus is many times it's a place that we can go to and just navigate life and uh, just navigate the heavy things of life, navigate uh, just where we are in our world and things like that. But so as you're flipping to Psalm 19, last week I mentioned that another thing we're going to do this summer, we're going to do something called Ask the Pastor. And so this is maybe you've got something you've been struggling with, uh, whether that's practical or that's just doctrinal or that's whatever, anything that you may be struggling with, uh, what we want to do this summer is uh, spend a few minutes every Sunday before the sermon, and sometimes it may actually bridge a gap or transition into a psalm, uh, but some Sundays it may just address it for a couple minutes. And, uh, but anyway, if you have any questions, we got a screenshot. We have this on our website. Uh, on, the, on the bottom right corner of the website, there's a floating question mark. Uh, it's there live now. So the way that you're going to submit uh, your questions is uh, just click that tab and then a little screen will come up that you just fill in your questions. Uh, make sure, you, know, you have to do the make sure you're not a robot thing uh, and then hit next and it comes to my email. And so and any question at all uh, that you have things that you've been struggling with or anything like that, that's the way we're going to submit it. So easy, easy to do. You're on our website, click that button. A little screen pop up, question, type your question in, send it to us. And what we'll do is each week, uh, if we have one, that's one we'll do. If we have multiple, just kind of see which one we're going to go through. So don't be offended if we don't get to your question, if we have a bunch of them. But eventually we will, because this will be something we can do uh, in the future as well. The one reason we're doing this, we just want to make sure, uh, you know, that we're all, you know, we're, we're living life together, and we're not just up here preaching at you, but we're actually dealing with things that you may actually have questions about and struggles about and uh, just line of communication, if you will. Anyway, Psalm 19. Uh, this morning, Luke is actually in Pigeon Forge preaching a uh, church camp uh, for a couple youth groups, uh, and Ryan is on vacation. So, man, I'm, I'm thankful for Ryan being able just to relax. I think he's done good at that this weekend. I made him promise me for a couple hours a day he wouldn't even have his phone with him. Uh, and that if anything church-related came to him, he would forward it to me. And he's done that so far, so thank you. I'm thankful he is vacating. Uh, Psalm 19, verses 1 uh, through 14. Let me read this whole psalm, and then we'll go back and go verse by verse. Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's raising it's from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there's none hidden from its heat. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true, righteous and all to, and are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even more, even much, uh, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Pray with me. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word, your precious word, your word that is perfect, that is sure, that is right, that is pure, that is clean, that is true. God, that is our treasure and where we get much pleasure, God. We thank you for the gift of your word. God, we thank you for the sufficiency of your scripture, uh, that we as your children have a source that's given from you that is sufficient to know you, to live for you, uh, to live life and the utmost joy. So God, we pray as we just open your word to talk about your word, the sufficiency of your word. God, you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to believe. And it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. And Psalm 19 is just a really a, a smaller version of Psalm 119. And so uh, if you've read Psalm 119, it's, it's about the precepts and the law of the Lord. Well, Psalm 19 is just like a smaller version of it, and I've got to do the whole psalm, so I figured you would rather me do Psalm 19 and Psalm, not Psalm 119. Uh, and so anyway, we're going to hang out here this morning, and really we're going to hang out really 7 through 12, uh, but I want to talk about 1 through 6 for a moment. Uh, here at Crosspoint, uh, our, our mission statement is that we exist to glorify God. And the way that we do that is we commit ourselves to God's truth, God's people, and God's mission, right? We're all on the same page there. And so uh, what I want to help this morning is why is it so important for us to be committed to God's truth? Why is it so important for us to be committed to God's word? What is it about God's word that deserves our commitment? Well, in Psalm 19, I see, I think that we see the sufficiency of Scripture. We, we know about it in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, whenever Paul writes how uh, Scripture is sufficient for the man of God to be equipped uh, to do the work of, that God has for him. But, so let's just dive in. The, the, take a note, the first thing is this, is that we see it in Psalm 19 is that God has revealed himself in two ways. He has revealed himself in the world, we see that in 1 through 6, and in the Word, 7 through 12. Uh, or 7 to 14, sorry. That, so we see that God has revealed himself to us through, through the world, nonverbal things, and specifically his word. He has revealed himself in his word. So let's look at verses 1 through 6, how God has revealed himself in the world. Look at, uh, of all the things that David could write, he talks about how the heavens declare the glory of God. That's pretty self-explanatory, that when we look up and we see uh, the sky and the heavens, they are declaring the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. And, and check this out, not only it says, but day to day it pours out speech, like from, from sun up to sundown, the heavens are declaring the glory of God, that God has revealed himself from sun up to sundown, that he is glorious and majestic and magnificent. And not only that, but from night to night it reveals 
reveals not only does the sun, but even the stars and the moon that are reflecting the light of the sun, they are, they are, they are, they are proclaiming the glory of God. And in verse three, it says, there's no speech nor their words whose voice is not heard. What that's saying is that all who have eyes see the heavens declaring the glory of God. That's why the Bible says that the fool says in his heart that there is no God. Because all of us have seen the glory of God. And so Justin, maybe we're blind. You have felt, and he's not, he said, all right, so let's go uh, to the thing. Maybe we talk about a blind man. Well, let's talk about the sun for a moment. You may not see the sun, but you, you feel it, right? Uh, so keep reading with me in, in verse four. It says, uh, the voice goes out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. In them he has set his tent from the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And this is awesome. So picture that sun who's given glory. He, he, the sun is declaring the glory of God. The imagery that David gets is like a bridegroom waiting in his chamber to go marry his bride. It's this anticipation that the sun every morning is like a bridegroom waiting to meet his bride, busting out of his chamber. The sun is so pumped, if you will, by declaring the glory of the Father that every morning the son is just waiting to declare the glory of the father. Man, what a picture the psalmist gives us. Like a bridegroom leaving his train, like a strong man runs his course with joy. That even the sun, as it is going from, from sun up to sun down, it is running its race with great joy to declare the glory of the Lord. God has revealed himself in the world, but he Keeps going, it says, from its rising, its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of the earth. It, by the way, this is a, one of those things in scripture that show you how scripture is inspired. Did you know that in this day and in, in this time in the world that they believed that the sun was just stood still? Like it, like it didn't move? Like it stayed in one place and everything just kind of went around, but we know that the, that the sun is moving. And that's actually what it's saying is that the circuit it's actually even David, as he's talking about the sun, how does he know that? The spirit is inspiring. It's like, did you know that one time that everybody thought the earth was flat, right? And some people still do for some reason. And did you know that we read in scripture that the, one of the authors actually talks actually in Psalms that is he, talking about God is, it is he who sits above the sphere of the earth. Like even through that, they knew that the earth was round, even though everybody else thought it was flat, right? Even, anyway, so there's inspirational things for you there, the doctrine of inspiration. But anyway, so the, to the circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So you may not see it, but you feel it. You know that there's something out there that's greater, that it has to be a creator. And what it's doing is from sun up to sundown, from night up to night down, if that's even a thing, it is declaring the glory of God. And it does it with great joy. Like the sun understands its purpose is to sing, to declare the majesty of its creator. So it's, he's revealed in the world. These, this is what theologians call general revelation. That Romans chapter one, through creation, Man, because man has eternity written in his heart, that he will come to understand there is a, someone out there that started this thing. It's a nonverbal, and that's why I said that Scripture says that the fool says in his heart that there is no God. The fool is the one that looks at all this and goes, 
man, it just happened. That's not even what I want to talk about this morning. The second way God has revealed himself is he's revealed himself in his word. And that's what we see in 7 through 14. And listen to me, child of God, the more, the older I get, uh, the more thankful I am for the, for the, for the word of God. Uh, the more thankful I am just to be able to just go to it. Because there's sometimes that my, my soul is parched, right? And maybe I'm the only one. Life just kind of sucks hydration of life out of you. And the word of God is just like that, that sweet water, that living water that we can go to. And so when, the way that God has revealed himself through his word, what we'll see is that there's actually in verses seven through nine. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through seven through nine, then we'll kind of tackle that. Then we'll go verse by verse after that. But in verses seven through nine, how God has revealed himself in the word, uh, David gives six titles to the word of God, uh, to scripture. And I'll, I'll walk through them with you. And when I go through, they're not different things. They're different facets of a diamond, if you will. So think about the, all of God's word. And then David kind of goes through like different angles. You look at scripture and that's how we'll say we see six titles. If we look at verse seven, it says the law, seven uh, be the testimony, uh, eight precepts, commandment, fear. He even gives God's word, the, the terminology of fear. And we'll get to that. The rules. And so there's six, there's six different uh, titles that David gives scripture. He gives the word of God. But also in these three verses, he gives six benefits. It says, revives the soul. He makes the wise simple, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. It endures forever. It's righteous altogether. And so I'm going to do my best this morning as we walk through seven through nine to show you the sufficiency of the revealed word of God for your life, child of God. And listen to me. Say, Justin, I'm not a Christian. Listen to me. It is sufficient for you as well to come to know this God. We'll see that it has the power to save and it has the power to sanctify. So let's take notes. I think it's going to come up the screen. I want you to notice this. It says the law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. And, and here David uses the, the covenant name Yahweh when it comes to talking about this revealed word of God. And it's important for us to understand this. Why, why is David saying this to the, the law of the Lord? As we understand is that scripture, we just need to be reminded of this, is from God, right? I think we, we agree with that as, as, as a child of God. We understand that this is the word of God. It is, it's come from God. And, and in 2 Peter 1, 21 says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17, which is the heart of the sermon this morning, is all scriptures, what? Breathes out by and say, Justin, that seems like, yeah, duh. No, that's like, if we don't believe that, like that's, that's the very ba- base level of everything that me and you believe, right? Like there is a God who created everything, and that God is not a God of confusion, 
And he's revealed himself in a certain something so that man can know him and what it means to be saved. So we have to believe that this is the way that the God who created everything has revealed himself. It's the basis of who we are as followers of Jesus. Like this is breathed out by God. Because the God who created the sun that from morning to evening, who displays his glory, that saying God has revealed himself in the pages of what we call the scripture. Now, listen to me. There is no other God anywhere else, if you will, that has revealed himself like that. He's, he's revealed him, as in he has made his ways known. His will's known, his desire is known, his judgment. We don't have to guess because he's revealed himself. That's encouraging for me and you, or it should be. So anyway, I got to dive into this. Let's go. We're going to go 7, sorry, 7A, 7B, 8A, that's what we're going to do. So first of all, the uh, uh, 7A says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I just kind of did law, dot, 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 perfect, dot, dot, That's how it's going to go. We're going to go through six of these like that. Everybody with me? I was too lazy to, and there's not enough time or space on the screen to type it all out. So, law, perfect, reviving the soul. So, 7a, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Whenever David's speaking of the word of God, the revealed word of God, he first calls it the law, the law of the Lord, which is speaking of divine instruction. As in a manual, this is something that God has revealed to man, right? He has given it to man, and he says it's perfect. This is not in, as in the idea of perfect compared to flawed. It's, it's perfect in the sense of it's not incomplete. Like it's, it's lacking nothing. Ultimately, the law of the Lord is perfect means that it is this, 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 this scriptures, this revealed word that God has given us. It teaches man all he needs to live life to the fullest. That the law of the Lord is perfect means that God is giving us a complete work. It's not incomplete. It's, it's, it's all there. It's completely revealed. That's why the idea of perfect is, in the original Hebrew is this idea of all-sided. It's, it's nothing lacking and nothing can be added. It's, it possesses everything. It's comprehensive. That the revealed word of God, that God's word, it is perfect, it is complete, it is comprehensive when it comes to life. Then it says it's reviving the soul. Let's talk about soul first. What is the soul? When the Bible talks about the soul, it means the inner man. Not this outer person who puts on masks, but who we are deep within. It is who we are. It is the real person. And what he's saying is that divine, the scripture is divine instruction. It's full comprehensive. It's flawless for the soul of man. Listen to me. I need you to know this, that God in his word attacks the soul. It attacks the inner man. Attacks is not a good word. It, it targets the inner man, right? We have to remember, and we can see it in this word revive, because when we think about this word revive, it's like, oh, it just makes me feel better. This word revive could probably be better translated transform uh, that that the that the law of the lord is perfect for the inner man and it alone can transform the inner man right we have to remember that the scripture isn't about some superficial morality 
or an external behavioral modification, but that the very law of God and its perfection can actually transform the inner man. And listen to me. I'm step out for a second. Child of God, if your pursuit of knowledge is not transforming the inner man, you're missing the whole purpose of God's word. If it's puffing up in pride, yet you can still walk, walk around ignoring sin and immorality in your life, then you're missing it all together. Because the very law of the Lord, it transforms the inner man. Not just what I do with my hands that everybody sees, but who I am deep within. It transforms. It revives the soul. It transforms the inner man. So the law of the Lord is perfect, and it transforms the soul Next, 7b, it says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So with the law, this is one facet of God's word. It's it's the divine instruction, but now he calls it the testimony of the Lord as in it is the divine witness. It is God giving witness of who he is to us. We don't have to guess who God is or make up God in our head. God has given testimony of who he is to us through his word. He's given testimony to who he is, what he wills, what he requires, what he will do. And I'm thankful this for the testimony of the Lord is sure. It's true. And this is good news for me. It, it's, what that means is that it's reliable in every sense. It's able to be trusted and followed. It's guaranteed to the one who trusted. It is a sure word. The testimony that God has given of himself in his word is a word to be trusted. It is a word to build your life upon. It is a word to trust. It is a guarantee to the truster. It's a sure word. And it says, making wise the simple. When I first read that, I was like, that's encouraging to me. But then it's not encouraging to me, and I'll tell you why. So making wise the simple. Let's talk about this word simple. Here it's in context, like contrast of like not philosophical at all, but very earthy. Someone who's very earthy, but, but in a negative sense, not like a dummy, but like the root word for this word simple is literally an open door. And it gives picture to someone who has the door of their mind wide open. But literally, even more to the heart is someone who is undiscerning, immature in thinking, tossed around to and fro by everything that's happening in the world. Like, just have an open mind. No, close that thing. Right? Like, no, we need it closed. And this is what we see is that the testimony of the Lord, it is sure, it is reliable, it is trustworthy. And what it does is it gives the man with an open mind, an open door of a mind who is undiscerning and, and has no conviction, what it does, it allows him, it teaches him to shut the door. To not be tossed to and fro from every wind of doctrine, not to take everything and go, everything's truth. All truth is relative. 
What it says that makes a man goes, all right, if all truth is truth, what happens if my truth says your truth is a lie? So it makes the, it says it makes wise. This is practical. It's how we navigate the world. Check out what the testimony of the Lord that is sure does. It takes one who has no discernment in this world. Gives him discernment. And now he's able to navigate this world, this thing called life. The word of God takes an open, undiscerning mind and teaches them to close it by discerning the very truth of God's word. That when he sees the error, he knows it. That he can bank his life on the revealed testimony of the Lord that is sure. That gives the man substance. I say man, if I say man, I'm saying universal term man, woman. It gives us the discernment to be steady in convictions and not chase every flashing light that goes around or get caught off guard or derailed by any type of bad news or news article or things that question the, the very existence of God and his love. Why? Because my mind has been narrowed to the God who's revealed himself through his word. And it is a sure word that I built my life upon. I got to keep going. I can spend a lot more time on that. But what we see in verse seven, the law of the Lord that is perfect, reviving the soul as in transforming the inner man, but also taking that inner man and making him being able to walk in discernment. What we see is that the word of God both saves and it sanctifies. And that's exactly what Romans chapter 12 teaches us, right? Verses one and two says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Pause for a moment. That's where we all want to be. Like we all want to be coming to the altar of God and laying ourselves down at the altar, right? Living sacrifices. But what? <laughs> Look at verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. How does David end this song? That the meditations of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. How can we, know, how, do, how do we walk a, how does God transform us? What is the, the process, if you will? He, he transforms, he shuts the open door of our mind. He begins to transform our minds that are, soberly focused on him. That's the first two. I've got four more. Eight, it says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Man, I like this one too. The precepts, they're right. They rejoice, rejoicing the heart. This word precepts is a, it's a strong word. Yours may say the word statutes. Remember, this is different facets of God's revealed word. Precepts are not suggestions or nice ideas or fleeting truths. They're absolute truths. That God has revealed in his precepts absolute truth. Essential to being a follower of Jesus is believing that God has presented and revealed to us absolute truth. 
that it's not fleeting. It doesn't matter what the, the cultural tide is right now, the spirit of the age, that God's word is absolute truth. It doesn't change decade to decade. It is absolute truth. It's a word that some of you may go, don't say that. It's, it's doctrine. It's, it's truth. Suggesting you're too doctrinal. No, all doctrine means is a, it's a truth that is established, communicated, and understood. It's something that's solid, that doesn't change, it doesn't move. It's something that God has revealed about himself through his word that regardless of what anybody says, it is true. And listen to me, there are times in my life, and I've been honest with you before, that I felt like things I were holding on to were like slipping away. Anybody been there before? Like, I'm grasping for it. What keeps us anchored? Not the things that we hold on to, but the things that are holding on to us. And that's the doctrines of who God is. Anybody with me? Like, the, the things that hold me is what I know to be true about God. Not what, not what I think or what I can do, but what, what holds on to me is that, that God is He's faithful and he's there. He's sovereign. He's sovereignly ruling all the things, uh, heaven and earth, that no matter how crazy it is from point A to point B uh, to, to the end that God has been sovereign all along the way. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I have to. If not, then this world makes zero sense. There's no hope to be had without the doctrine of God being sovereign. And I can keep, you want me to just keep going through these? Like, hey, listen to a child of God. There's a difference. And y'all say this a lot. There's a difference in, in childlike faith and childish faith. We always have a childlike faith. If God tells me that, you know, that he loves me and Jesus died for me, I believe it. That's childlike faith. But we're not to remain childish. We need to know who God is. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is and who the Son is. We need to know what it means for Jesus to be seated on his throne. We need to know what it means for one day he's going to stand up and come get his body, his people. We understand that. We need to understand the doctrines of who God is and what this world looks like because, man, if not, we're going <laughs> to not be able to make sense of anything. And when we can't make sense of it, we apostate and say it must not be true. Apostate means we fall away. It doesn't feel like it used to. It's not as good anymore. So, anyway. The precepts of the Lord says are right. Which literally in the Hebrews, it's it's like right path. It's the right way to go. The, The precepts, the things that God has laid out about who he is, is literally the right way to live. It is the right way to do things. It is the it is right. It is a appropriate. It is the way. It's that Psalm 119 that is the it's a light to my path, a lamp to my feet, right? It's it, by the way, what's really cool is these six titles of God's word is expounded in Psalm 119. If you go to Psalm 119, you'll see this. So this is just a mini version of it, right? So everything's going to connect to one another. Uh, but anyway, so it's, it's a light, it's a lamp to my feet. I think MacArthur said it is both the light and the path and the lamp and the feet, like it is all of it. He, the scripture is all of that. Listen to me. 
and I think I've got to hit on myself a little bit, but this is how we navigate this world full of pitfalls and darkness and despair. This is how we navigate the attacks of the enemy through God's revealed precepts of who he is and what he's doing. And what does it do? It rejoices the heart. Rejoicing in the heart. How much joy can be in our heart when we really understand that God is who he says he is? And he's doing exactly what he's revealed he's going to do. 1 John 1, 4 says, And we are writing these things that our joy may be complete, lacking nothing. The word of God has been revealed to us that our joy may be complete. Joy comes when the word is understood and applied. Joy in knowing that I don't have to figure everything out. Joy in knowing that I'm not God, but he is. Joy in knowing that it's not what I hold on to, but what's holding on to me. Man, the precepts, the, the, the truths of God, they're right. They're the right way to live. They're the freeing way to live. They're the life and life to the full way to live. Rejoicing the heart. Keep moving. The next one is that the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Commandment here, we have divine decree or a mandate. This is another facet of the word of God that is authoritative. It's sovereign. It's binding. It's not optional demands of God. It says that they are, the commandment of the Lord is pure, which could be translated clear, as in it's loose, it's transparent, it's understandable, it's accessible. It's one of the things in Sola Scriptura and the Reformation that the Scripture can be understood. You don't have to have a priest to explain to you what the Scripture says, that the child of God can go to the Word of God and, and, and hear from the Word of God. It's accessible. It's clear and understandable, which means, listen to me, child of God, there's no excuse for the believer not to know the word of God. It's clear. It says, David says it here. And this is like before Jesus came and like made sense of a lot of things. Right? And somehow David could look at the world that he was living and go, oh no, man, the, the commandments of the Lord, they're clear. I can see it clearly. Right? What? And now we have the, old, the New Testament, like how I think it's 2 Peter. Uh, actually, let me flip there. I don't know if it's going to come up on the screen. These are times I thought about this first, but I didn't write it down, so don't, don't fail me as a preacher. Uh, where's it at? Here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And we have a prophetic word made more, it's more fully confirmed. Right, So David would be a prophetic word. Jesus has more fully confirmed. He's made it more sure that in Christ, you and I can understand it even better because we see the, the fulfillment of these things. right? And we have the Holy Spirit residing within us who opens our eyes to see things. 
Listen to the child of God. There's no excuse for you not to understand the word of God and to know it. It's not anybody else's fault. Because in you, this is encouraging to you, in you is the same Holy Spirit of any great biblical scholar in all the world. Now, I know God gives some of us different intellect. I know I'm not on the intellectual side of this life. Oh, but the Spirit of God can allow us to see and know and understand the things of God if we actually treasured God's word to go to it. You can understand. I wrote down, get in it, and it will get in you. It's clear. Think about all, and studying scriptures and the doctrines of God and things that are going on. Think about all we understand in this world by understanding scripture. I think how much clarity and perspective the Bible gives us in this thing called the world. All right? Sometimes they, obviously, reality and, and faith or belief, they, you know, confront one another. But think about how we can make sense of life and death and, and sin and family issues and this, that, and the other and the history of our world. Like, think about how much the Bible in its clarity gives us perspective about what's going on in the world. All right? It's clear. It's understandable. Next, 9a, this says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Here, this word fear is, is divine worship. The scripture is revealed a, a how we're to worship God. It's the manual for worshiping God. He's taught us, he's revealed to us how we are to worship him. And it says that it is clean. It means it's free from error or corruption or defilement. It is inerrant. It is clean, it is pure. And what's the evidence? Listen, what is the evidence that this word is pure? What does it say? It endures forever. Things that are pure endure forever. Gotta move forward to the next 9b. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The rules here is like divine judgment or divine verdict. They're true. They're absolute. What God has said about anything and everything is true. Like, catch me that. I need y'all to hear me say what I just said. What God has said about anything and everything is absolutely true. Regardless of whatever is going on in the United States of America, what God has said is absolute true. Whatever judgment he's made on something is true. It's absolute. Whatever, whatever decree or rule or verdict he has placed on something, it's true. And what does it say? Righteous and righteous altogether. It's comprehensive righteousness. It's full righteousness. Man, what a gift we have in this thing called the Bible. Like, what a gift. And listen to me, I'm not done yet. And I hear, oh, he's done. No, I'm not done. I got a couple more verses. David knew the treasure and the gift that it was. Matter of fact, look at verse 10. More to be desired than 
gold, even much fine gold. What David is saying here is that it is our treasure. Not only does this what it does in seven through nine, but because of what it does and can do in our life, it should be our greatest treasure. But not only that, but then he says, uh, sweeter than also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now he's talking about pleasure, like how good it is to take it in. So the word of God is our treasure. It is our pleasure. But not only that, but it's our protector. Look at verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them is your great reward. Man, the law of God, is the scriptures have protected me from myself over and over again. Can anybody testify of that? Usually when we shoot ourselves in the foot, whenever we stop operating by this thing. It's our protector. Listen to me, we look at the law of God and so, say it's, man, it's so constricting. No, it is freeing. The, the, the word of God isn't to put a burden on you, say, you got to do this, you got to do that. No, it is. It is this, is. this is how you live life to the fullest. Like inside these parameters that God, that, that's where life is. That's where joy is. That's where the, the marriage that God has designed is going to be experienced. That is where your life as coach or teacher or mom or dad, like that is where it's going to be lived to the greatest joy in the way that God has designed it in his word. And man, it protects us from making dumb things happen all the time. It is our protector. It is our treasure. It's our pleasure. It's our protector. Got to keep moving. 12 and 13 says it's our purifier. Who can discern his errors? There it is. Who, who can discern their own errors? No, we're blind to our own errors. Right, I can point it out in somebody else's life. But when it comes to my life, I can't, I can't discern that because I'm full of pride. You know what the Bible does? It puts that mirror right in front of us. It discerns our own errors for us. What does it say? Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from, from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Who's he talking? He's talking about the word, letting the word of God do this in his life. And what will happen? I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. It is our purifier. And he ends it like this in 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, so what my mouth is saying and what my heart is meditating on, let it be acceptable in your sight. He ends it with a prayer. How can we know what is acceptable in his sight? He's already revealed it to us. This is thing called the Bible. So he's praying, let my, my mouth, my words, and my heart be satisfying to you. Well, the good news is, is he has Reveal to us what satisfies him. And it's in this thing called Scripture. Child of God, will you suggest that I'm, you know, I'm struggling or this, that, and the other. I haven't been hearing from the Lord.
scripture promises if we come to him that he will receive us. This morning, child of God, will you just confess maybe your lack of desire for the word of God and pray for God to give you a heart that desires the things that satisfy him, to desire his scriptures this morning. Justin, I, I'm, not, I'm not a Christian. Well, this, this scripture was written for you to be able to understand the God who has revealed himself, not only in this word, but his son who is also the word of God, who became flesh and dwelt among us so that he could come and pay a price for your sin and my sin the reason why this word has leverage is it's powerful but the reason why this word can make a transgressor righteous is because the righteous one being Jesus was treated as a transgressor and so what happens is is Christ came and fulfilled the Father's plans and now he can faithfully stay true to himself and true to his word and save those who trust in him. The word of God finds its power. Yes, it's God's word, but it's, a, it's, a, it's ability to work and to save because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So the thing that I love about the word is made accessible to me through Jesus Christ. Are you following me? Everybody with me? So this morning, say, so Justin, I want to know, I want to understand. It, it starts with knowing Jesus. First Corinthians says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You can't understand it on your own. But it says, but it's the power of God to those who are being saved. Through the power of God, God can allow you to actually understand this book. A God who's revealed himself for our good. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, thank you for your revealed word. God, I thank you that we can trust it. We can believe in it. That it is sure. It's reliable in every sense. So God, I pray for us as a church that we will continue to commit ourselves to teaching your word. that we will commit ourselves as, as members here to, to hear your word and to receive your word and to obey your word. We don't just commit to it in preaching, we commit to it in listening and applying. God, we thank you that your word teaches us how you respond to us even when we're faithless that it teaches us that you remain faithful. That it teaches us how you're sovereign over the things that feel like they're kind of falling out of our grasp. So God, increase our desire to know more of your word because it is an invaluable gift. It is greater to be desired than any gold, sweeter than any honey. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Let us drink from the well 
Father, we love you. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. If you need to pray or anything, I'll be standing down here. Uh, if you need to come to the altar, you can do that as well. Uh, but let's stand and you move as the Lord leads. <laughs>